Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums... Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Rossafari Zoo News. The saddest one, because this is going to be the last zoo news that I publish while in California. I'm going to miss it so much. Ah, Okay, yeah, I know. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Most of you are scattered across this country in places that have huge snowstorms happening lately, and you all hate me for being out here anyway. And um, yeah, I'll I'll be coming back to winter soon. No, I won't. Wait a minute. I'm going to my next gig in phoenix arizona for three weeks uh possibly the only place warmer than california right now so um okay i have nothing to complain about i'm i'm still gonna miss all of the good times in california though i I really am i've had an amazing time out here this is my favorite state um sorry to the other 49 but uh you lose california is amazing But enough proselytizing about my favorite state. I am going to instead tell you what this is. In case it's your first time here, or in case you have a really bad memory, this is Rasafari Zoo News. It is our weekly look at what is going on in the news of the worlds of aquariums, zoos, conservation, animals, all that good stuff. You'll hear some silly jokes, you'll hear some stories, you'll hear some weird song things because I'm strange and think I'm hilarious and am right. And uh, yeah, it'll be a good time. And keep in mind, this is a crowdsourced news thingy, podcast, I guess. And so um, if you see an article or a social media post or something like that that you think might be worth being on Zoo News, then you can just go ahead and send that to me. Rasafaripod at gmail.com is my email address, or you can tag me in it on the social medias at Rasafari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Rasafaripod on TikTok. And um, yeah, I'll say your name at the end of the episode, and I may or may not talk about the story, and yay, it'll be awesome. Go team. Um, so that's something to look forward to. Speaking of things to look forward to, here's an ad. Today's episode is brought to you by Daydreamers Studios. Do you have stories and expertise to share with the world? Have you ever thought about starting your own podcasts? There's no better time to start than now with the help of a trusted production partner. Daydreamer Studios is a full-service production company that takes all the stress off your plate. You can focus on creating engaging content while they focus on recording, editing, audio engineering, hosting, and publishing on 22 platforms. Log into the advanced remote system with one click and the Daydreamer team will be on the other end ready for you to record everything you have to say. Owned and operated by Daydreamer Network, Daydreamer Studios continues on the company's mission to empower storytellers of all kinds by making podcasting accessible to all. For more information and current promotions, visit daydreamernetwork.com studios.
And speaking of ads, here's a reminder that if you go to rossafari.com, there is merch from the show. We've got the really cool hoodies and shirts and stuff with uh, one of the logos that uh, my friend over, Laura, over at uh, LE Artisan Studios on Instagram made for me. And, of course, I've got my own line of Poop Story, Poop Story. merch available for you and your loved ones. Okay, but enough of all of that. Let's get to the stories of the non-poople variety. Well, it's one for the pandas, two for the bears, three for the monkeys. Now you should care, now won't you listen to Zoom News? Oh, you could do anything, but why not listen to Zoom News? So we start off this week, um, just like we do with almost every bit of Zoo News, by talking about singer Billie Eilish. Okay, all right, so actually this is this is the first time that we've mentioned uh, Billie Eilish on the podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, she's, she's doing, well, look, I'm sure her music's great or whatever, but... Um, you know, maybe advocacy is is something that should only be done by people who actually understand what they're advocating for. And uh, and Billie Eilish has gone a different route, partnering with a group known as In Defense of Animals, which is a anti-captivity group that has lately been pushing for the Memphis Zoo to release their pandas Yaya and Lele back to China because they are unhealthy. Except... Spoiler alert, they're not. I actually mentioned uh, this this movement a little while ago on Zoo News, and um, the group has gone and set up a change.org petition saying that the, the bears should be released and have been using all of the expertise that you, 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 you know, they have to look at random photos of the bears and say, oh, see, they're not healthy, um, as opposed to the vet staff at the Memphis Zoo or the people in China who own the bears and check up on their welfare, you, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and now Billie Eilish has started tweeting about the movement and has teamed up with them to uh, to try to get these bears, quote, retired, whatever that means. Both the Memphis Zoo and the AZA have released statements basically saying that the petition is completely incorrect, that the bears are fine, and um, also offering to show that to Billie Eilish and and further explain to her why everything is okay. And um, I would say that I hope she takes them up on that, but really I don't care. I just hope that she shuts up about this thing that she just doesn't understand. But again, I'm sure her music is great or whatever. So earlier this week, we celebrated Valentine's Day, and um, some zoos took some interesting approaches to, to that this year, which I found absolutely entertaining, namely that they allowed you to name a roach or a bug for an X. The San Antonio Zoo, the Erie Zoo, the Center Wildlife Care, the Lehigh Valley Zoo, and others all participated in various programs where for a dollar or five dollars, you could name things like a feeder cricket that then got fed to a lizard. Or just naming a cockroach after your ex that will, you know, not be killed, but is naming the cockroach after your ex. Pretty solid, pretty solid. In fact, some facilities were even doing bidding wars where the top bidder 
could bring a couple of friends to watch a carcass feeding to a carnivore and have the carcass named after their ex. I think this is a lot of fun. I think it's cool. I think this is a unique idea. Good way to raise some money and have some fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I could, I could, I could feed a couple of a couple of exes to a a bearded dragon or something. I'd be all right with that. I, I mean, I mean, you know, bugs representing them, <clears throat> of course, of course. The National Zoo recently announced that they have a new zoo director, Dr. Brandy Smith. And Dr. Smith has a lot of really cool plans for the National Zoo, which I'm really excited about. Um, Those plans include bringing in some new animals and setting up some new... Okay, I'm pretending I don't really care about any of this. All I care about is that one of the first things that Dr. Smith did was move to get binturongs at the National Zoo. Y'all, when I go back to D.C., I'm going to get to see some binturongs at the National Zoo. I'm so excited. But also, congratulations to Dr. Smith on like all the other cool stuff, too. But mostly the bits. Yay. Oh, and speaking of binturongs, Zoo Tampa at Lowry Park has announced that they have had two new binturong kits born there to Mother Malati and Father Sully. They are adorable, y'all. And if you check out Zoo Tampa on their, you know, social media things, you can see some pictures and stuff. It is really lovely to see that the breeding program is going so well there. Um, as a matter of fact, the uh, the pair had a cub back in 2020, uh, Kartika, who still lives at the zoo. So, like, things are going really well uh, with breeding binturongs at Zoo Tampa at Lowry Park. Um, which is, you know, important because binturongs. Am I binter right? And actually, the truth is there have been a lot of uh, newsworthy babies born recently at zoos. So the Twycross Zoo announced the arrival of a new baby bonobo at their facility. Um, They are the only zoo in the UK to house bonobos. So it is a really big deal to, you know, have a new one born there. Yay, Twycross Zoo. And speaking of not only births at zoos, but noteworthy births at UK zoos, we're being real specific now. For the first time ever, the Chester Zoo in the UK has announced the birth of a baby aardvark. I don't know why I said baby there, as you can't birth a fully grown aardvark, but uh, bear with me. The aardvark is named Dobby after the house elf from Harry Potter, which the aardvark kind of looks like. The mother, or mum, as they're called in the UK. (laughs) I'm such a dork, my gosh. Anyway, the mum is doing an okay job, but is a little bit clumsy, so is co-raising the cub with the zookeepers there. They're taking the the baby out for some supplemental feeding and time away from the mom so that uh, she gets a little bit of a break as well. But it's, it's a team effort and it's pretty cool. Uh, there are only 66 aardvarks in zoos across Europe and 109 total in zoos worldwide. So again, this is not a huge captive population. So every baby matters, especially when it's Dobby. And sticking with important births in the UK for a thousand, Alex. Oh, he's dead. Anyway, the Dudley Zoo and Castle announced the birth of a new giant anteater. The pup is the first of its species born at the zoo in its 85-year history. 
The pup's parents' names are Lyra and Bubbles, which isn't really relevant to the story, but I mean, come on. Their names are Lyra and Bubbles. If that's not newsworthy, I don't know what is. And the second most important bit of this news is that the pup is doing really well and, and seems to be another anteater in the uh, collection in Europe, which is like a really big deal. Now, I said that's the, the second most important part of this, and that's because we all know the actual most important part of the story is the fact that, again, the baby anteater's parents' names are Lyra and Bubbles. Bringing it from the UK to the US, but sticking with the important babies born, the Jacksonville Zoo and Botanical Gardens have announced that for the first time in almost 30 years, a hammercop chick has hatched at the zoo. Hammercops are a sub-Saharan African species that are famous for their massively impressive nests, which are so big they can weigh more than 50 pounds and hold the weight of a full-grown man. The nest is a fully enclosed structure with an inner chamber only accessible by a small opening that the birds can squeeze through. This provides protection and shelter for their eggs from predators. After the birds have raised their kids and they have moved out, the large nest provides home to a variety of other African wildlife, such as eagles, owls, and even small mammals. Due to unforeseen circumstances, the hammercop chick is being hand-reared, which is quite a challenge, but it seems to be going well so far, so congrats to everyone at the Jacksonville Zoo and Botanical Gardens. And one more bit of birth news for y'all before we move on to other stuff. The Brookfield Zoo has announced the birth of six Asian small-clawed otters and uh, has given them their official names. Otto, Otis, Wishes, Hermione, Sachiko, and Olivia. The pups are doing super well, and if you hop on any of the Brookfield Zoo social media pages, you'll be able to see videos of them learning how to be otters. It's utterly adorable. Y'all, I have to make a quick confession before we move on. I've started drinking coffee kind of later in the day than I used to, and I think it's affecting my podcast. In a good way? Eh, maybe? Maybe? Anyway, uh, let's get on to some slightly less good news about an otter. A woman is suing the Dallas World Aquarium, claiming that their giant otter attacked her two-year-old daughter. The daughter was being given a ride on the shoulders of her father, who is six foot three inches tall, and as they stood near the middle of the giant otter exhibit, an open-air habitat surrounded by glass that is approximately five feet six inches tall, the otter reached over the barrier and bit the girl's hand, according to the lawsuit. While the damage was able to be healed by an on-site medic doing basic first aid, the mother is now suing for $250,000 to $1 million in damages for emotional distress to the child. This is actually the second time a lawsuit like this has been filed against Dallas World Aquarium. Uh, another time, an 18-month-old child was scratched by the otter. Uh, and since these two things have happened, the aquarium has put up a sign that reads in capital letters, Beware, giant otters are active animals and can injure you. At the time of this recording, the Dallas World Aquarium has not responded to any press requests for comment on this litigation. And that brings us to... Stereotypical Animal Podcast theme song. Conservation news. 
So we're starting off with some really good news, y'all. You know how I've been saying that wolves need to be relisted as an endangered species in the United States? Well, now they are in almost all of the U.S., uh, except in the Northern Rockies, a court decision protects wolves um, all around the country. This is huge news. This is so exciting. This isn't actually a reversal by U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service about the delisting of wolves, but it is a district court ruling that states that the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service acted improperly when delisting wolves. Of course, this isn't the greatest news in the world yet because that whole Northern Rockies exemption that I was talking about, that includes Idaho, Montana, most of Wyoming, as well as parts of Washington and Oregon. And uh, those, those are places, especially Idaho, where wolves are in serious danger. However, this is still a huge deal, a step in the right direction, and hopefully a legal force that will convince U.S. Fish and Wildlife to officially relist gray wolves as an endangered species because, you know, they're an endangered species. And while we may still be waiting for U.S. Fish and Wildlife to do the right thing with wolves, we can give some props to the Florida Department of Environmental Protection. They recently announced that they have acquired four properties within the Florida Wildlife Corridor with a total of over 14,000 acres protected through a new program called Florida Forever. Two of the acquisitions expand existing state parks and preserves, and two were conservation easements that were placed on working ranches. The work being done in the Florida Wildlife Corridor is really awesome. We've talked about some of it on this podcast before. And seeing this much land, 14,000 acres protected in this way, is simply astonishing. Amazing work. Florida Department of Environmental Protection. Panthers and so many other species are going to benefit from this. It's awesome to see. All right, mate, and now we're going to take it on down to Australia, and uh, Ren Howell is not able to do this, so... No! Hey, you said that you can't record this right now, so I get to do my accent. No! All right, all right, geez. You know, I get yelled at a lot on here, considering this is my podcast and all. But anyway, I'm really excited to share these next stories with you. Uh, one of them is really exciting. One of them is sad, but also important. So bear with me. First of all, let's talk about platypus. Now, most of you know I've been spending a lot of time at the San Diego Zoo Safari Park lately, the only facility in the United States to house platypus. It's astonishing. And if you haven't taken a look at my Instagram recently, you really need to go check out some of the reels that I have posted because I have been there twice lately when the platypus exhibit was lit. Normally, it's kept in darkness. It's a whole nocturnally type thing. But um, for whatever reason, two times when I've been there, the light cycle has been reversed and I've gotten to get some video of the platypus being awesome and platypus-like in light. It is amazing to see. It is so fun. It is so cool. Make sure you check it out. But that's not what we are talking about right now, except for the fact that I just did. The Australian government is pumping 5 million Australian dollars into a new platypus conservation center at Zoos Victoria's Healesville Sanctuary. 
the center will exist both for research purposes and as a refuge for wild platypus that may be found in trouble if they are affected by extreme weather emergencies or something like that. It's awesome to see these little guys getting a huge hand from the government. And they are little. I also posted something about this on Insta, but in case you didn't see it, platypus are not a large animal, and there seems to be a misconception in the public that they are. Very tiny, very tiny. Like three pound-ish, maybe? Maybe? Like two to five pounds? So, um, yeah, small animals being saved by big money from the government. Yay. And now for the sadder, but also Good in its own way, news out of Australia. Government officials have declared that koalas are officially endangered across much of eastern Australia, citing the impacts of drought, bushfire, and habitat loss on these species. Obviously, it's devastating that koalas need to be listed as endangered, and we all know about the huge fires that really decimated the population right before COVID hit and kind of got almost forgotten about because of that, which is devastating in its own right. But the fact that they are now officially considered endangered is actually a positive. It means that the Australian government will be providing millions of dollars in conservation funding and also will be seeking the individual Australian state's approval for a national recovery plan for the species. Sometimes getting listed is a big deal. Cough, cough, wolves, cough, cough. So, um, you know, even though it is sad to see this happening, it's actually good news for the conservation of the species. So that's a positive. We've talked on Zoo News recently about a few elephants who have died because of EEHV, the elephant endotheliotropic herpes virus. The one positive that I found in those sad tales is that any captive elephant that dies of EEHV is studied and the knowledge we gain from each one of those losses would be used to help find an eventual cure for this disease that affects both captive and wild elephants. Well, the Chester Zoo and University of Surrey has developed a potential vaccine for EEHV, and the world's first pilot study of the vaccine is currently ongoing. And of course, it's worth mentioning that it's very hard to test a vaccine on wild elephant herds. So the research is being done at zoos. They're studying the effects of this vaccine, checking the efficacy of it, and maybe, just maybe, this vaccine will lead to the eradication of this horrible disease. And that brings us to... It's time for other news. It's time for other news. Hey, you know, right now, right now, it's time. It's time for other news. Hey, it's a segue to the park on other news. Bird flu is on the loose, y'all, and there is really reason to be worried about poultry manufacturing uh, in the near future. Poultry operations in Kentucky, Virginia, and Indiana have all been confirmed to have birds infected with a highly lethal form of avian flu. Highly pathogenic avian influenza, or HPAI. So far, both chickens and turkeys have tested positive for the disease, and this could mean really bad news for poultry farmers in the U.S. The U.S. is both the top producer of poultry in the world and the number two exporter of poultry in the world. 
And this issue not only sheds light on the fact that something like this can cause huge raises in price and lots of damage to poultry companies and stuff like that, but it also it's just astonishing to me the numbers involved in the poultry industry. And look, I am not going to be a hypocrite here. I eat poultry. I eat kind of a lot of it, actually. My favorite foods are basically turkey and chicken in all forms. But when a single flock of turkeys in Indiana was discovered to have tested positive for this disease, 29,000 turkeys in that flock were destroyed. 29,000. One flock at one farm owned by Tyson Foods. Another plant where they discovered some of this disease has 240,000 chickens currently living at it. Unsure as of now if they all have to be destroyed or not, but again, 240,000 chickens. The numbers are really staggering and, and it's kind of, uh, it's, it's really eye-opening to, to look at them regardless of where you stand on the whole, you know, poultry thing. Of course, if this avian flu keeps tearing through birds in the United States, that may become less of an issue for everyone. So yeah, you may be seeing your turkey prices going up, your chicken prices going up, and it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out, especially given what inflation is in the United States right now. And while we're sticking with birds, um, I've had a whole series of stories lately about birds being found in weird places, and it's happening again. There is currently a bat falcon living in South Texas at the Santa Ana National Wildlife Refuge. Uh, bat falcons normally live in Mexico and Central America, but not even the parts of Mexico particularly close to the U.S. So this is a bird that has uh, gone way off track, either because it was an illegal pet or something like that, or just because it migrated to the wrong place. Unsure. Unsure why it is there. It sadly cannot tell us the story. But birders are flocking ha, 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 to that area to try to get a look at this species that they really should not be able to find there. So we all know that chimps use tools and are very human-esque while being non-human animals and that we share a lot of DNA with them and all that good stuff. But a new study has shown that uh, chimps use first aid. Kind of. Turns out that what the chimps do is they will take insects and smash them into wounds, be it their own or those of their troop mates. Now, it's not entirely uncommon for animals to use their natural environment to self-medicate. Bears, apes, and deer, for instance, will ingest plants with medicinal properties to make themselves feel better. But this is the first time that insect therapy has ever been spotted in the wild. And it's also really rare to see animals taking care of each other's wounds rather than just taking care of their own. So uh, this, is, this is pretty cool. I'll, I'll be curious to see what additional info researchers find out about chimps being, you know, awesome. In this regard, or just in their general chimpness, chimps are pretty awesome. And now, what I hope will be the final update on my WTF Pennsylvania series about the weird wildlife dog or coyote maybe or maybe not thing that was found and taken to a shelter and then escaped. That, that whole thing? Ugh, Pennsylvania, what are you doing, friend? Anyway, genetic testing of said animal confirms that it is 100% a coyote. The coyote, which didn't really look like a coyote or act much like a coyote and then escaped, is still, you know, 
whereabouts unknown. But uh, now we know it's probably a coyote, at least genetically. Still think it might be a werewolf? Unsure. But apparently it is officially a coyote. And I mean, if you can't trust the government, then who can you? It's a werewolf. I am more convinced than ever that it is a werewolf. Oh, animal, oh, animal, animal holidays. Animal, oh, animal, animal holidays. Hey! And that brings us to our animal holidays for the week. First of all, a friendly reminder that February is Adopt a Rescue Rabbit Month, International Hoof Care Month, Fishing Cat February, and National Bird Feeding Month. Then for your individual holidays this week, February 19th is both World Pangolin Day and World Whale Day. Please note, there are barely any other animal holidays this week, but two species that need our protection and awareness raised and all that stuff yet again have to share one single day. Cool, 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 cool. And then February 20th, is officially Love Your Pet Day. Because that's a day that we need. I know, it's that one day that we love our pets. Of course, I guess, to be fair, mocking a day focusing on love that should always be there in February seems a little, well, yeah, you get the point. Anyway, and those are your animal holidays for the week. And there you have it, folks. Zoo News is officially done for the week. I'd like to say thank you to Laura Shank, my Red Panda-level patron, and also to the people who contributed this week. Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley, Hippie Ape on Instagram, Carrie Kirkpatrick, Liz Dunlevy, Dylan Hoy, Ren Howell, and Crystal Chapman. Y'all rock my world. Thank you so much for making this so much easier for me to do. I appreciate y'all so much. And I truly want to say that I really do appreciate each and every one of you that listens to this podcast. It means the world to me to know that we have this amazing community and that we're all learning, growing, and caring about animals together. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing, and y'all are beautiful, beautiful people. Probably. I can't see you all, but I'm assuming. And internally, internally, 100% y'all are beautiful, beautiful people. But you are people who need a slight reminder every once in a while. That Newsy Credits Backwards is Steiderk Yeswen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley-Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.